0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Assembly Required, Building a Case for Church, where we'll see what the Psalms teach us about a life of faith, lived in community. I want to say thanks to all the families that are here today, all of you who are gathering online. Hopefully you've invited your children with you. If you're at home, you can print out the uh, kids' notes that were emailed to you yesterday. If you're here in the auditorium, they are here for you, and we have no problem bribing kids. As a matter of fact, when I came in today, I was uh, greeted by Miss Mary. She is five years old. She's sitting there to my left towards the rear, and she already had her kids' notes out, getting ready to fill those out and wanting to know what her reward would be at the end of service. So I am proud to announce that we do have popsicles. They are back uh, this week. Come on and praise God for those popsicles for kids. And so you can fill them out. And we'll, we're willing to give some adults who fill out the kids' notes, too. If you're an adult, you fill out the kids' notes, you can get some, too. But, but today, we want to pick up our series. Today, I want to talk to you about family traditions. How many have a family tradition that you've been doing ever since you were younger? How many have some family traditions? Or maybe since you've been married, three of you have family traditions. That's great. The rest of you don't even know what I'm talking about. But, but every family has their own set of traditions. We just came back from a trip out of town and we go to West Michigan every year there's a particular city in West Michigan that my family goes to every single year now some of the older kids Uh, They have experienced it, and they were there when we first started going there. But some of the younger kids, they just kind of got engrafted into the routine of our family going to West Michigan every year. The other uh, blessing of our family, some of you know my family structure, is I am blessed to be married into an Ethiopian family. My mother-in-law is from Ethiopia, came here as an immigrant in 1972 so that she can get married and have a daughter that I could marry. Praise God worked out for my advantage. But Ethiopians are on a different calendar than the Gregorian calendar. They're on a different calendar than what we are. And so each of their 12 months has 30 days exactly. And the additional days of the year uh, get put into a 13th month. As a matter of fact, one of the slogans, tourist slogans for Ethiopia for a long time was 13 months of sunshine. And so they have different days. So in the Brooks household, you don't get one Easter, you get Two Easters. You don't get one New Year's Day, you get two New Year's Days. Some of you uh, know what I'm talking about. And again, our kids are just kind of engrafted into that. Now, we have been smart enough to recognize that there's no way we're going to celebrate two Christmases, and our kids cash in on that. And you also only get one birthday if my kids are watching at home. But here's the thing about family traditions. Family traditions are such that if one generation doesn't explain to the next generation why we do it, it is something that a new generation can begin to participate in without knowing exactly why. Well, just like individual families, our individual families have traditions, the church has traditions. And the series that we're currently in, Assembly Required, has really been designed for us to explain why behind one of our great traditions, and that is the Sunday gathering. From the very inception of the church, the church saw fit that they would gather together on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. And it's because of the resurrection of our Lord that believers would come, Together to put themselves in remembrance, but we've been journeying through the Psalms so that we can look at what happens when the people of God gather together in public assembly. Now, some of you who have been a Christian since you were a child, you just maybe accepted the fact that Sundays were the thing that we do, we gather together on Sundays. Some of you came to Christ a little bit older in life, and it may have seemed a little bit strange, but you didn't put up much of a fight. But, very Uh, uh, frequently we find ourselves doing things that we haven't thought deeply about in a very conscious, deliberate, or communal way. And so throughout this uh, journey through Psalms this summer, we've been talking about what happens when the people of God gather together in public assembly. And we've learned some things, that we gather together so that we might receive the Word of God. It's the Word of God that builds us up in our most holy faith and gives us the wisdom and the guidance we need on how to live in a way that pleases God. We also learned that we gather together to confess our sins before a righteous God and before one another. The Bible encourages us to confess our sins one to another so that we might be healed. Last week, we looked at Psalm 145, a Psalm of David, where we were reminded that one of the reasons why we gather together is to lift our voices and to sing. How many love to worship Jesus? I love worshiping Jesus. But I got to be honest with you, I love it even more when I get a chance to worship with you. I love worshiping Jesus with other believers, as Pastor E.J. said when he came up, that there are certain mornings we come in and we don't have that pep in our step, but as we get encouragement one from another, here's what I've learned, our worship is infectious, it's contagious, it spreads in a good way, and it encourages one another. Well, today we're going to look at another psalm so we can see the fourth reason why we gather together in assembly. Let's go to Psalm 40. And in Psalm 40, what we discover is that we gather to testify to God's deliverance. We gather to testify to God's deliverance. This is a great psalm. This is a psalm in which King David is writing about an episode in his life in which God brought him deliverance. And some of us know what it's like to be surrounded by our enemies or overtaken by our own sin, to be in a difficult and dark moment, not to be on the mountaintop, but maybe in the valley of life and to cry out to God and He delivers us. Don't be quick to forget those moments. As a matter of fact, as a parent, one of the things that I want to encourage other parents and grandparents to do is to mark your testimony and to tell your children about the times when God delivered you so that when they face difficult times, they will have a, a knowledge of the fact that our God is great and our God is able. That's what we uh, just sang about, for all my life, you have been Faithful. And all my life you have been so so good. How many have that testimony? But do your children know why you're singing that song? Do your your grandchildren know why you're singing that song? And do other believers know why you're singing that song? Because let's be honest, we all struggle from time to time with spiritual amnesia and we need to be reminded. Now, throughout this psalm, you're going to hear David in the first person. He keeps using the word I, I, I. But lest we think this is just his individual story, look at the header for this, the title for this particular psalm right before verse number one To the choir master, a psalm of David. David gave this song, this psalm, these prose, he gave them to the choir master for this song to be sung as a communal song. In other words, David is saying that I got a testimony that, I, that encourages me that I want us to sing about in order to provoke within the congregation their own testimony of the goodness of our God. Now, our dear brother Russell opened the service, and so he's read through the entire text, but let me go into some of the sections and parts. The first thing that uh, David says he testifies about, that we should testify about, is we should testify that God is our rock. We should testify that God is our rock. Again, kids, if you have your kids' notes and you want that popsicle, fill that in. God is our rock. Look at verses 1, 2, and 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock making my step secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Oh, there's so much here. Let me just start with verse number one where David starts. He starts in the moment of his life in which he's crying out to God, and it feels like God is so distant. I waited patiently. Some translations say I waited and waited. Have you ever been in a moment like that? where you have waited and waited on God, you have cried out to God again and again, God, rescue us. God, deliver us. God, help us. If you're a parent, you know what it's like to have your children in a moment of sickness. I don't know if there is a longer day or hour or a moment than one of your children being sick. And it seems like you're crying out to God and God can't come fast enough. Or maybe you know what it's like to be in between jobs and you're praying for the next door to open and you're crying out to God and God doesn't seem to come fast enough. Or maybe you know what it's like to be in a moment where you are overwhelmed with grief and you're crying out to God and God doesn't seem to come fast enough. Here's where David is. I am crying out to you patiently, oh Lord. I'm crying out, God, I need you. I need your help. I need your deliverance. Some of you are right. There, right now, but here's the good news and the reason for the psalm God did not ignore David. Look at what he did, rather, he inclined to me and heard my cry. This word inclined literally means to bend over. God bent over to David, he came into a situation. How many thank God we don't serve an absentee father? How many thank God we don't serve a distant Lord? I mentioned to you last week that a friend of mine sent me a letter from an atheist who was saying, I could never believe a God who created the world and then detached himself from it. To which my response was, neither could I, because that's not the God we serve. We serve a God who knows the very number of hairs on our head, or in my case, the lack thereof. God knows us intimately. He cares for us. We're going to read in just a moment. His thoughts are about us. Don't you ever think that in the silent moments that God has forgotten you? We used to sing a song in the church that I grew up in. He may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. God does not always show up when we think he should show up, but he is never late. And even in the waiting room, don't you stop praising God. David made a decision, if I'm going to be in the waiting room, I'm going to be in the waiting room praising the name of Jesus because he is forming our character, building our faith and our trust in him. And this psalm is birthed in the waiting room. He says, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock. David gives us two illustrations. Both of them gives us the picture of death. Look, he pulled me from the pit of destruction. That's like the grave and from the miry bog or the swamp. I don't know what David was going through right now, but whatever he was going through, he felt like he was close to death. There are certain times, I don't know if you've ever felt like this, that you or someone you love feels literally close to death, but again, here's what David's testimony is. When death thought that it had me, God showed that he was more powerful than death. How many believe that our God is more powerful than death? How many believe that? He is the God of the resurrection, But even there are times in this life where he pushes death back when death feels like it has its grip. I'm gonna give you a name. Some of you may know this name Lorna Venus. Lorna Venus is one of the sweet members of our church. She is also a nurse at Beaumont uh, Health uh, Hospitals, or Beaumont Medical System. And uh, early on in this COVID crisis, while doing her job duty, she contracted coronavirus. Now, this is before testing had really ramped up, so she went a couple weeks without uh, knowing exactly what was going on, just feeling the deep symptoms. Well, before you knew it, Lorna was in the hospital. And before you knew it, things were getting uh, grave she was on a ventilator, and I remember getting the call from her husband telling me that they had upped the level of support the ventilator was giving her where 85% of her oxygen was coming from the ventilator, and then it was 90% of her oxygen bouncing between U of M Hospital and Beaumont Hospital. And we promised we would pray, and we've been praying as a church for our dear sister Lorna. But I also got to be honest with you, the statistics and the stories of what happens when someone gets on a ventilator and the probabilities of recovery, man, it made us all feel bleak. As she missed Mother's Day and and kids' uh, celebrations and birthdays, as she was sedated, we didn't know what was going to go on with her. And oh, the joy when we got the news that Lorna began to show signs of recovery uh, about a month ago, and then three weeks ago when they said we're taking her off of the ventilator, and then two weeks ago when Lorna was sent home, and oh, the joy this morning when I got a chance to talk to Lorna and pray with Lorna. Oh, it looked like death had won, but how many know our God is greater than death? This is what David is praising him over. He says, I was in an insecure moment, but you placed my feet on a rock. You are my rock. You are my security. This morning I prayed for my wife and my children as I exited the home. I grabbed my wife's hand. And what was my prayer? My prayer was, Lord, in an insecure world, give them security. You know, we can have security in a world of anxiety, David found it. We can find it. This is why we gather. We gather to remind one another that he is our rock. David wanted his testimony to encourage somebody else that was going through. Now imagine singing this, and you're on the opposite side. David clearly is on the other side of the problem or the challenge. He's gotten his victory. But imagine being on the front end of the trial and singing this. Do you think it might be encouraging? Well, for some of you today, I want to encourage you. You may be on the front end of it, but let this psalm encourage you. David said, the Lord is my rock. He goes on to testify that the Lord that God multiplies his favor. Look at what he says in verses four through six. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, To those who go astray after a lie, you have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Look at what David says here. David says that the reason why my heart is overjoyed is I have found a reliable one to put my trust in. See, some of us have put our trust in our jobs. And how many know that no matter how great the company is, what we're learning in this season is all companies have vulnerabilities. If you put all of your hope, all of your plans, all of your trust in your company, you might be disappointed. Before I was a pastor, I worked in the financial services industry. I gave people investment advice. One of the things I would say is diversify your portfolio. As much as you believe in your company, it may not last. I hate to brush your bubble as much as you have faith and trust in your spouse. They may disappoint you, not because they want to, but because they're human." Children disappoint, Uh, life has a way of disappointing. So where do you put your trust if not in the economy, if not in your own health and strength, if not in your friendships, where do you put your trust? Oh, there is one who is reliable, who never fails, who never disappoints, who always has a great ROI, who is always there whenever you need him and his name is Jesus. How many have shown that he is faithful? How many have come to know that he is reliable? How many can testify like David that I am blessed because I put my trust in the Lord? How many can say I got the right one and I put my trust in him? Amen? And look at what he says. He says that you have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. David says, you have multiplied your deeds towards us and your thoughts. There are times and there are people who feel like God doesn't think about me much, or maybe feel like God hasn't done much for me. Let me tell you that um, nothing could be further from the truth. Your God has multiplied his thoughts towards you. He is thinking about you even now. He's thinking about me even now. The story of Scripture is a story of redemption. From Genesis to Revelation, our God is working our redemption out, never sleeping, never slumbering, never neglecting, never forgetting us, he is thinking about you. You know, earlier in the Psalm, David says in verse three that God gave him a new song, put a new song in his mouth. Many interpreters of that text say, it's not so much a new song, but it's a new verse to an old song. The song of redemption and deliverance has been sung, has been being sung since Eden. but you and I get a chance to add our verses to it. David add his verse to it. It's time for you and I to add our verse to that song, a song of praise, because God has not forgotten us. Here's the question: Has God been good to you? In what ways? Last week we gave you a homework assignment. We looked at Psalm 145, 21 verses, in which God, in which David says over and over again why God is to be praised. And we say, you go home and you write your song of praise to the Lord. Now, I'm not going to invite you to come up and sing. I love the church too much for that. But what I will ask you is this. Did you do your homework? Did you make your list of why God is to be praised? Here's what David said. He says, I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. David starts making his list, and he does get a chance to stand before the great congregation, and he starts telling them why God is to be praised, and he gets so overwhelmed by it. He says, I just cannot tell it all. God is worthy of our praise. He woke us up this morning. He started us in our right mind. He gave us breath in our lungs, blood in our veins. He protected us and kept us. Listen, everybody who whose alarm clock went off this morning did not get out of bed, but God saw fit to wake you up, keep you on the freeway, get you to the house of God. And besides all of those physical things, blessings of family and food and provision, he's also saved you, forgiven you, loved you. He is a soon-coming king who's going to come back and rescue you. How many can say that he is to be praised. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. David says, if I had 10,000 tongues, I couldn't have enough because he is worthy of all that and more. If I had 24 hours in a day, I still would keep going because what he has done is too much to count. I just can't tell it all. Verses 6 through 8, listen to these words. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Interesting. Burnt offering and sin offering, you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. These verses, my friends, are the most prophetic verses. In the entire psalm, they are powerful, powerful words. Now imagine being a Jew during that time and hearing David say in sacrifice and offerings, you have not delighted. Wait a minute, David, didn't God institute the Old Testament sacrificial system? He certainly did institute it. So what is David saying? Is David saying that that's done away with? Not yet. What David is really getting at is the matter of the heart. What he's saying is, what good is a sacrifice if your heart is not in it? God wants something more than your sacrifice. He wants your heart. Imagine for just a moment, me being a husband, going to my wife and saying, honey, here's a dozen roses. And she's overwhelmed with joy because she's got those dozen roses. And then me following up and saying, yeah, they were cheap. They were on sale. I was close to getting that discount. I had to make an extra purchase to get 25% off the other stuff. And so. They were right there at the register. Hope you like them. How do you think she's feeling about those now? Imagine if you had all your kids around the table. It's a holiday. Everybody's there. Maybe if your grandparents, grandkids are there and you're all overjoyed and they come down, they're at the table all right, but they're on their cell phones looking at Facebook, Twitter, clearly annoyed, not wanting to be there. How many think that takes the joy out of it? Well, this is describing Israel. Israel was going through the motions, but their heart was not in it. Look at—keep uh, your thumb right there. Look with me at 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Look at verse number 22. Here's what Samuel writes. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as, as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. Now, what David says next in verse number six makes sense. He says, in sacrifice and offerings you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. See, this is what God is really after, an open ear, an ear that says, Lord, I want to hear you so that I might obey you. The word Shema in the Hebrew is to hear. It has dual meaning. It means not only to listen, but to obey. What God is looking for are men and women who have open ears to his word with a heart to obey. And then he gives this prophetic statement. He says, then I say, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. What is David talking about? Well, throughout the Psalms, David often, by God's inspiration, by the leading Holy, Holy Spirit, will give a messianic prophecy where he's speaking beyond his understanding. This isn't David speaking of himself. This is David speaking of our Messiah. Keep your finger there. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. Anybody learning something today? Verses 5 through 10, look at verse number 5. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, now here's Christ coming into the world. What is he declaring? Sacrifice and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. I love this. This is God. This is uh, the Lord recording what what Christ says as he's coming to the world, and he's quoting Psalm 40. You have prepared a body for me. Verse 6, In burnt offering and sacrifice you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Who was it written about? All of the books point to Jesus. This is what the road to Emmaus is about. That all of the law, all of the Psalms, all of the prophets, all of it points to Jesus. There is one harmonious message throughout all the Scripture. And what is that message? That Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And what do we do when we come together every week? We remind one another through our testimonies that Christ is Lord of all. Why? Because we tend to forget that. When coronavirus comes, economic challenge comes, racial tension comes, offenses come, wounds come, anger, disappointment, we forget that Christ is Lord. And we get wrapped up in earthly things. But when we come together as the people of God, we remind one another that Christ is Lord. This psalm points to Jesus, verse number eight of Hebrews 10, when he said, when he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifice and offering and burnt offering and sin offering. These are offerings are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. That's what it's all about. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. Verse number 10, and by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Here's the good news. In all of our obedience, we still couldn't keep all the law. In all of our good deeds, we couldn't earn our salvation. But how many praise God that one perfect one came, and he lived a perfect and sinless life. His name is Jesus, and when he went to that cross, on our behalf, he died once and for all, and he rose from the grave with all power in his hand, and that is why he is to be praised, because by putting our faith and trust in him, he has sanctified and justified and purified us forever and ever and ever. And we get a chance to praise him for that until his return and then into eternity. Third and final point David makes from verses 12 through 17 is we need to pray that we would keep that he would keep us testifying. This is an interesting psalm because we're about to see a massive turn in tune and in tone in this psalm. Verses one through 11, David is praising God for what he's done in the past. Verses 12 through 17, David is praying for a present problem. Look at what he says. For evils have compassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. Praise God. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay O my God. You know, the Psalms normally go from petition to Praise. This particular psalm goes from praise to petition. And I think it's okay that it goes that way. What David is facing right now is a present real problem. He feels absolutely overwhelmed. But you know what he does? Before he prays for his deliverance, he reminds himself of God's historic goodness. And my friends, maybe you're in a present problem right now and you feel overwhelmed and the enemy is all around and you feel confused or maybe defeated by a health report or by a controversy in your own life. I don't know what you're going through. I know what I'm facing, but I know what we all need to do. And that is to jog our memories, to remind ourselves that God is good. He is faithful. He is reliable. And verse number 16 captures it all. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. My friends, great is the Lord. That's the sum total of it all. That our God is great, much greater than whatever you're facing now. And let the testimony of David and the testimony of the saints in this room and the songs we sang about today Remind you that our God will never fail you. For all my life, He has been faithful. And all my life, He has been so, so good. And guess what? He's not about to change now. How many can thank Him for all that He's done, for all that He's doing, and for all that He will do? Amen? Let's stand up together. We're going to close this service by giving God praise for His goodness and grace. If you have not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you're in this room, don't leave without letting one, another, one of us know that today I want to make Christ our Lord. And if you're watching online, we're so grateful for you. If you want to put your faith in Christ or you want to connect with the church, we want to engage. We want more than you watching. We want to connect heart to heart. Put our arms around you as you take your next step in your journey with Jesus. Just comment below that I would love to talk to someone and one of our friendly team members will follow up with you. Let's pray together today. Father, we thank you that your goodness is running after us. We thank you that you are merciful and faithful. We thank you that you have reminded us through this psalm, Lord, that you are our rock, that your favor is multiplied to us and that you will keep us testifying. Be magnified, O Lord. We give you praise. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.